Thank you, choir. Let's begin with a moment of prayer. Holy One, help us to hear you and to know you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm curious, how many of you know the name Richard Rocha? Crickets. <laughs> he is not a football player. Uh, Father Richard Rocha is the Catholic chaplain uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's been in that role now for the last eight years. And he says that his job this evening is to help the players uh, feel a sense of normalcy, that what they're participating in is just another game, just another opportunity to do what they do best. Which is important, right? Because the stakes of the Super Bowl are so high. So he helps them to feel like things are just status quo. He prays with them, talks with them, worships with them. And you know, this sounds like a great job. I could do this job. <laughs> I could hang with Patrick Mahomes. I could help a player who is struggling to get their head in the game. I could inspire the team to be their best and do their best. And you know why? Because all that time spent with them would almost guarantee that I would be able to hang out with Taylor Swift. <laughs> and that is the real endgame for me. That's my priority. Priorities are important both on the field and off the field. And as we have been reflecting these past weeks on 75 years of Colonial Church, I've been wondering about how well we've responded both individually and as a community to the mission and vision of Jesus Christ. And after our meal a couple of weeks ago, I felt inspired by all of the great stuff that you have done and that you continue to do. And like every group, we can, if we're not careful, you know, allow things to become a bit self-congratulatory. We could rest on our laurels. You know, we've, we've done all these great things. We assume we'll win the game because we're just that good. And that can be a dangerous way of thinking. You know, when the Chiefs perform each game, they don't take anything for granted. And neither should we, because there is still so much work left to be done. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place, where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I can almost guarantee you that in just a few hours, you're gonna catch one of these advertisements that we're about to show. I'm sure you've seen some of them already, maybe in past uh, Super Bowl years, uh, and they're just gonna get a little more free publicity right now, but let's check it out. He didn't go to college. I never asked for a raise. 
He didn't wear fancy shoes and never took out a mortgage. His friends didn't belong to a country club and his parents didn't have a will. So he worked hard and invested wisely, not in stocks or bonds, but in others. The He Gets Us campaign, you've all seen these already, right? It's powerful because it tries to show Jesus in a way that many people haven't seen before. A compassionate Jesus, a justice-loving Jesus. An anointed Jesus come to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. It's a Jesus I feel we often see here at Colonial that we try to share in the United Church of Christ, a Jesus we hope to share with others, a Jesus of love, not of judgment. What I find interesting about this campaign, however, is its insistence, if you read much about it, that it is not affiliated with a particular agenda or that it is not political, as if these words political, politics, and religion should never mingle. Actually, the He Gets Us campaign is advertising by an organization called the Servant Foundation. And one of its largest backers is David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby, which does have a political history of discrimination against the LGBTQ community. And donors like Mr. Green hope to inject over a billion dollars into these advertisements over the next few years. A billion dollars. That's staggering. And yet put into the context of the Super Bowl, it's not that much. The Super Bowl itself makes about half a billion dollars each year in ad revenue alone. And while the NFL Foundation has given grants to charities, since 2017 they have given just $3 million to organizations working in the areas of social justice and equality. It makes me wonder sometimes what might happen if the He Gets Us campaign and organizations like the NFL funneled their donations not to AAA sports team events, but to the poor and marginalized communities that desperately need support today. Jesus gets us. Yes, he does. But I often wonder, do we get Jesus? Do we get that Jesus' mission was not to keep the status quo, but to upend it? Do we understand that Jesus' priorities weren't to convert people into behaving or thinking a certain way, but to make sure that people had food to eat, water to drink, clothing to stay warm, and a friend in which to lean on? I think about these things and I start thinking about Colonial again. Churches like Colonial do all of these things, and of course there's room to, to do them more and to do them better. It's about priorities. We love our building. We want to see it last 75 years. And yet, as we've seen with natural disaster in Hawaii and other places over the past year, buildings perish. They can go away. So what lasts? What remains? We do. Our connections to one another. Our mission to one another and to our community. That remains. It's our responsibility to be the church for one another, which is part of another good marketing campaign. That's, this one's from the UCC. Be the church. 
not for the sake of a building, although it is a lovely place to worship, but to get out on the field and make a difference for one another. It's not always easy to to reprioritize, to to take risks, to see things in new ways. And sometimes we have to try multiple times before we get it right. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his hands, and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I love this passage from the Gospel of Mark because it shows me something powerful about Jesus. This is one of the only times in which we see Jesus do something quite extraordinary. Jesus makes a mistake. It takes him two times to produce the miracle that helps the blind man see again. I don't know why, maybe he didn't put enough spit on his hands the first time or something, but it takes a second touch of Jesus for the man to see clearly. I love this because it's a reminder that it might take us time to get things right too. It might take us time to figure out that a billion dollar campaign won't always bring people to Jesus but acting like the Jesus we see in Scripture just might. This passage shows me that Jesus is comfortable making mistakes, doing things that put him in awkward situations, and Jesus is willing to be in those situations, not being perfect, but just doing the best that he can, because that's the space where miracles That's the kind of Jesus I want to follow. I'm no saint, and I don't think Jesus is saying that we have to be saints. We just have to try, do our best, know what our priorities really are, and put ourselves out there, get our heads in the game. We don't know what will happen at tonight's game. We might win. We might lose. We certainly hope we win. And I'll be praying for Father Rocha that his work with the players will be beneficial. The same thing happens here at church, you know. Aaron and I pray for this community, for this family. Sure, we pray that the pipes don't burst. We pray that our newly renovated spaces and our organ last for the next 75 years or 175 years, but mostly we pray that this mission post on Mission Road stays as a beacon of help and healing for many. That's what really matters. That's what makes a winning team here at Colonial Church. And so as we begin to explore what Colonial means to us, I invite you to think, what will your contributions be? How will you be part of the team? What are your priorities? I can't wait to see what we will do together. Amen.